0: Preston in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon.
2: Good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. Looking forward to another hour. Talking about the things that matter most, and as we've said earlier in this week, we were awaiting the results of the Nigerian presidential election. It is an election of great significance. The Catholic bishops of Nigeria have asked for prayer, and uh, we now have the results in. And uh, Bolo Tinubu, the candidate of the incumbent All-Progressives Congress Party, has been named Nigeria's uh, outright winner of the presidential election. But um, the, re- the results are already being questioned. And so uh, Ed Clancy from Aid to the Church in Need is going to join us to take a look at uh, what we're hearing from the bishops there and what is the significance of this vote. And then Matthew Bunsen joins us in our weekly uh, get-together to talk about you know Catholic stories around the world. There was a recent article in First Things in which uh, Bishop Thomas Paprocki uh, wrote that, quote, It is not uncommon today to hear Catholic leaders affirm unorthodox views that not too long ago would have been espoused only by heretics, end quote. He then lays out teachings on matters of heretics and sexuality and how the Church defines and handles heresy. We're going to take a closer look at these comments with Matthew Bunsen. It is rare, it has been rare anyways, uh, in our lifetime, for uh, bishops to... You know, go out of their way to challenge other bishops publicly. Uh, I'm told that it takes place behind the scenes sometimes, but for the most part, we don't see it uh, in public view. So we'll talk with Matthew about that and a bunch of other stories that are of great interest. But first, we want to make sure we get today's headlines.
0: Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Robbie Maria Radio News for Thursday, March 2nd. It's the feast of St. Chad of Mercia. Today's news brought to you by Charity Mobile, supporting pro-life and Catholic causes at CharityMobile.com. Former President Trump can be sued for the actions of Capitol rioters on January 6th of 2021. NBC News' Ken Delaney is at the Justice Department.
2: A speech far outside the president's office that allegedly incited a riot is not covered by that immunity, according to the
1: Justice Department.
0: A group of Democratic House members and two Capitol Police officers is looking to hold Trump liable for physical and psychological suffering as a result of the riot. Trump argues absolute presidential immunity protects him from the lawsuit. The West Virginia legislature has approved a state-level Religious Freedom Restoration Act The Republican-controlled Senate passed the bill on Tuesday along party lines, and it will now advance to the governor's desk. It guarantees West Virginia's freedom from any state interference that, quote, may substantially burden a person's right to exercise a religion. A former Detroit-area priest will spend the next 3 to 15 years in prison for sexually assaulting a child in 2004. Joseph Baker was sentenced Wednesday after being convicted in October. Baker is maintaining his innocence, and his attorney plans to appeal the conviction. Michigan's Attorney General says she was the target of an assassination plot. On Twitter, Data Nessel confirming she was targeted by a man who was arrested for planning to kill top Jewish officials in Michigan. Nestle describing the suspect as a heavily armed defendant. The House Ethics Committee has formally investigated and battled New York Congressman George Santos. Members announcing the unanimous decision to set up a panel that will determine if Santos broke any laws during his 2022 congressional campaign. From your Ave Maria Radio.net News Desk, I'm Steve Clark.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Joining me is Edward Clancy, Director of Outreach for Aid to the Church in Need, we want to take a look at uh, how relief efforts are going in Syria and Turkey and also uh s- learn what we can about the proclaimed winner of Nigeria's presidential election. Ed, good to have you back. Thank you.
3: You're welcome, Al. It's Good to, good to be with you.
2: Let's start with the Nigerian presidential election, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, Bola Tinubu, uh he's mm-hmm. the incumbent uh president now. Um Tell me what they're declaring him the winner. How confident are the bishops there that this was a fair election?
3: Uh, they're not confident at all. Um, the Bishops conference, who tends to you know err on the side of um, restraint and diplomacy sure. has called for a, a very thorough review of the election process. The Internet, the uh, Independent Nigerian Election Commission, which was established under the promise of, uh, of a very transparent um, election process. has had nothing but problems throughout the uh, throughout the process, throughout okay. the election. And there was a delay in the, the delivery of ballots. And then there was some discrepancies and some of the roads were closed. And then they were supposed to be taking the results immediately from the different polling locations and trans, you know, and uh, coalesce them and transmit them electronically so that the immediate or very, very uh, quick results. Um, immediately the day of the election, the, uh, the machines, the technology started failing. Mm. And so what ended up happening was the hours that the election results were supposed to take took much longer. Okay. And then to compound that, you had multiple locations where people were were claiming to have seen outright fraud, where wow. there was these these sheets that would take the tallies and be used to transmit the information were being altered or not properly recorded.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: and you know, so all of this coming together, and then you have a situation where you had. Three candidates uh who each drew you know a good amount of votes twenty five percent twenty nine percent it's nubu, but each of them did very well in, in certain regions and one of the interesting things is that uhubu is from from Lagos, and he was at one point called the god, the financial godfather of Lagos wow. and yet peter obi defeated him soundly there wow. Um, which is kind of an, an odd mix that yeah you would, that's where he was, and he has his backing theoretically there and all of his yeah, support. yeah or he didn't win there, huh. and then you have the fact that the the uh a p c the all progressive uh, congress um that they ran a muslim Muslim ticket now the the most challenging thing is not just what might have happened in the elections, but who the candidates are, and specifically who the vice presidential candidate was for the uh, APC, and that was Kashim um, Shatima. And it, it, people, obviously, unless you really follow what's going on in Nigeria, he was the governor of Borno. Uh, good luck, Jonathan, when he was president in Nigeria. And uh, Shatima was warned. About the folk attacks of Boko Haram before the Chibok girls were kidnapped, wow. and he was advised, or they were advised, because they have these W A E C or something like that, the West African Education Conference. This uh, is testing uh, that all of the schools take in order to be, you know, certified and to be considered, you know, uh, good schools. Yeah. So these girls at Chibok were taking those tests. So it was, a, it was an opportune time for them to be put together, you know, nobody outside, all of these different aspects that would make them a, a, a better target. And there was a warning not to allow them to do these tests in the school in Chibok, that they should have been relocated to a safer location.
2: And Shatima and knew that.
3: Well, he was advised, yeah. apparently, by the, you know, the, the powers that be, in, especially in Borno. And then... After the fact, after the girls were kidnapped, there was a, a, a seemingly endless delay in the investigations and finding where the girls were. And, you know, the locals were saying, we know where they are. We can, we tell, we can tell you where they're going. Yeah. And nothing was being done. You compound that with now Shatima had uh, a, a terrorist. Leader
2: arrested
3: on his property. He was staying, you know, residing, taking safe
2: haven
3: in which in Shatima is one of his properties. and you know the thing that's very troubling about this is that recently at the Nigerian um, Bar Association uh, conference, he speaks. This is um, uh, Kashim Katima, uh, I'm sorry, Kashim Shatima, and. He said that when we get elected, that Tenubu would run the economy and I, Kashim Shatima, would run security and the military. Mm. And, of course, you look at that and you say, ooh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And it has so many bad connections and so much uh, accusations against him to say that, not to mention the Nigerian um, constitution. Yeah. The powers of that are supposed to rest only in the president. He's supposed to delegate someone in law enforcement, whether it's military or one of the, say, uh, state-provincial heads of the state department. And yet he's saying that he will run that. So for Christians, it's very concerning.
2: uh, It's very troubling. There's just a lot of things going on there. So this, traditionally, the had tickets that were balanced with a muslim candidate and a christian yes. candidate uh, that was kind of a, i guess an informal tradition mm-hmm. um when they abandoned that this time around was there any explanation
3: no uh, it, it well the, the ticket itself the Tanubu Shatima ticket ran on a and a sense of entitlement More than anything, I mean, uh, Nubu's essentially slogan was "It's my turn." (laughs) That was exactly what he was telling people: "It's my turn." Wow! Um, You know, it's just just like either a sense of I don't know enthronement, (laughs) you know, um, and so that's how it was treated, and it was almost like cast aside. Like this is not; it doesn't matter who the you know who the uh, candidate is, what their faith is you know, that's, that's not important. You have the party, and that was what was important. Yeah. Um, and so what it did do is it, it activated a lot of the Christian groups to say, well, then we have to get more people to vote. And this is the, the un- interesting or odd thing, is that in 2019 there was about, I think, 20, 24 million ballots cast. And yet there was this surge in registration. I think it went from, like, Eighty-two million to ninety-five million potential, um, you know, um, people to uh, you know, uh, uh, electors or you know, uh, people that can could vote, uh, voters, and mm-hmm. and so the number went up, and yet the number of ballots, at least so far, seems to be down, that's and that's weird. not doesn't not consistent, and then you have another situation where there were numerous groups in different areas that was saying the young people who the Labour Party candidate Peter Obie, a Christian, was energizing the younger people and they were the ones who were having the hardest time to get their uh, their voting registration yeah. completed. And so you put that all together and then the other thing was the schools were essentially helping people to fill out uh their their um, you know, um voter registrations for the old progressives. Wow. You know, essentially yeah. Yeah. like almost pre you know, pre filling an out for you to hey, just put your name here, don't worry about anything else. So that you would essentially be registered for that party. And of course there's there's you know then there's gonna be a, a sense of, well I vote for my party, that kind of thing.
2: Well these violations seem so egregious that I we're probably not we shouldn't expect uh a nullification of the vote right who would do that
3: i i i i think it's highly unlikely yeah
2: i, I yeah. think
3: you know again this is my speculation yeah. you know the 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 bishops conference has spoken out against it there are numerous priests and outspoken priests and bishops and leaders who are calling for a, a rerun yeah peter ob in a speech i think he gave yesterday has says we will prove that we won obviously a lot of this is Electioneering and sort of you know uh, right. political bravado, but you know there is a good sense that they they have some evidence. The question is, how does that get adjudicated? How do you put that into effect? Right. The internet, the independent election commission is saying essentially no that there were no there were no violations, nothing's wrong. And the other problem is Buhari, who's the president and you know a member of the same party as Nubu, would essentially be running some sort of you know review process or would it go to the courts and you know you i, I don't know enough about the, the situation of the courts in nigeria to say is there a fair arbiter is there anybody in nigeria that could be considered you know fair and balanced right or would give right. a a good estimation i don't know
2: well listen let, let's uh, just Quickly go to Syria and Turkey. How, how sure. how's how are things developing there? We've got about two minutes.
3: Sure. Well, the situation in Syria is both better and worse. It's better in that there's a better sense of what is needed, uh, a better assessment of buildings. It's worse in the fact that that a lot of the areas that are affected have severe infrastructure problems, and like clean water and food and things like that are are, are an issue as well as. Medication. So the, the 2,500 people that aid to the church need agreed to help, uh, that might increase now, obviously, yeah. as these things change and people move. And then the next thing is going to be to get get them into more permanent locations, to not have them sleeping in their cars or, you know, uh, huddled up in churches or places in schools, to get them into a more proper environment and also to get the children back into school.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are are there tent cities being created? Uh, uh, where are people going?
3: Well, that's the thing. Right? There is there are some tents being used. Um, our our desire is not to have that last very long and right. to get more permanent residents. I mean, when we did it in Iraq, we built structures or helped them to build structures that were just ba- essentially building panels. It was sealed to the weather. Okay, so you could do that uh, quickly. What is, works out better is always to have apartments or, or buildings or places that are more permanent and made for families. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, how do people stay in touch with your work, Ed?
3: Uh, they can visit us at org. We will keep them up to date on what's going on in Nigeria as far as the church is concerned, and obviously what's happening in Syria and Ukraine.
2: Thanks so much, Ed.
3: You're very welcome.
2: Aid to the church in need. Uh, Again, they do just a fantastic job. I'm Al Crusta.
4: Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor, the Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic health care workers will be Saturday, March 18th at Christ the King Church in Ann Arbor, followed by a dinner at Fox Hills Country Club in Plymouth. Email cmalansing at gmail.com for dinner tickets, that's cmalansing at gmail.com.
5: Resetting your password, unsubscribing from emails, printing anything. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with an auto owner's insurance independent agent, getting the right coverage for your business doesn't have to be one of them. So you can get back to more important things, like learning how that printer works. That's simple human sense.
0: Call Choice Insurance Agency at 734 641 4200.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Greg
3: Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. Want a better family life this Lent? Join the Catholic Home 40 Days for Families Challenge.
4: Lent calls us to do more to share God's love with others. The best place to start doing that is in our families.
3: Go to catholichom.com to download the premium version of the Catholic Home app. Use the promo code AVE for 50% off the first month.
4: Discover how God wants to transform your family life this Lent with the 40 Days for Families Challenge at catholichom.com.
0: Light of the East, weekends on Ave Maria Radio.
5: I am Father Thomas Loya. This week on Ave Maria, on the second Sunday of Lent, we focus on contemplative prayer, which enables us to see in the crisis in Ukraine the mystery of the cross put before the eyes of the world.
0: Saturday evenings at 8.30 and Sunday mornings at 9 on 990 WDEO, Ave Maria Radio.
2: Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Mehring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to nine thirty p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net.
0: Crested in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you to one of 900 pro life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 75% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877 Life US1. That's realestateforlife.org.
5: Hello to all those who have taken solemn marriage vows. It's your patron saint of marriages, St. Joseph here. Oh, how the angels rejoice in heaven when a couple is married. But heaven also sees that marriages can struggle and be difficult sometimes. We're rooting for you. God will give you everything you need to overcome. Stay strong, husbands and wives. For 45 years, Retrovi has been quietly improving marriages behind the scenes by the grace of God. Learn more at helpourmarriage.org. That's helpourmarriage.org.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being with me. We have our weekly look at uh, Catholic stories around the world with Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who is executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EW10 News. He's also a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Matthew uh, wrote and uh, published the first English language biography of Pope Francis. He's also uh, editor of the Encyclopedia of Catholic History. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Bunsen, M-A-T-T. And uh, you can hear him on Register Radio, Saturdays at 4 in the afternoon, Sundays at 11 in the morning on Ave Maria Radio. Matthew, good to have you back here. Thank you. Always a privilege to be with you. I guess I want to jump to this, uh, this Bishop Paprocki's story, uh, yes. because this is this is unusual. At least in my experience, this is unusual, where you have a a bishop, U.S. bishop, uh, actually penning an essay, <laughs> which seems to uh, make clear that uh, a fellow bishop has at least been imagining uh, heresies. So talk to me and set this up for me, and I understand that he's going to be uh on the air tonight
6: yes, he will he'll be a guest on the world over with Raymond Arroyo uh, this evening very good, so obviously this will be a topic
2: of conversation yeah, I'm sure so tell me tell me about uh what the bishop did, and uh you know people say he's got Cardinal McElroy in his sights
6: well, as uh, you and I have uh, already talked uh Cardinal Robert McElroy of uh, San Diego, who is uh, one of the newest of the cardinals, he was installed last August by Pope Francis, wrote in America Magazine an essay uh, in which uh, he basically calls for what he describes as radical inclusion of those identifying as LGBT uh, women and others in the church, focusing especially, though, on um, so-called LGBT and those who are divorced and remarried and not living chastely. And in that essay, uh, the Cardinal calls for what he describes as a Eucharistic theology that invites all of the baptized to the table of the Lord, rather than a theology of Eucharistic coherence that multiplies barriers to the grace and gift of the Eucharist. So this was uh, reiterated uh, further in a podcast that he did, and then a subsequent essay was just actually, I think, posted today by American Magazine. So in the midst of all of this was an essay, uh, sort of in reply to this, from Bishop Paprocki in First Things. Uh, and the opening title says, the first line from this says it all. It says, Imagine if a cardinal of the Catholic Church were to publish an article in which he condemned a theology of Eucharistic coherence, etc., etc. Or what if a cardinal of the Catholic Church were to state publicly that homosexual acts are not sinful and same-sex union should be blessed by the Church? He says he basically is saying that until recently it would be hard to imagine any successor, of the Apostles making what he describes as heterodox statements. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very forceful language. Now while he does not name Cardinal McElroy specifically in his essay, it is obvious who he is referring to. right.
2: <clears throat> you know this is this, again, there's a problem because Cardinal McElroy uses languages like you know, radical inclusion. Um, but we don't know what that means. I mean, exactly what does it look like? Does he want to open communion? Should, should we should we decide that uh, uh, the church drops its distinction between mortal and venial sin? Exactly what is he
6: talking about? Well, that's really the the, the question here. Uh, that the language tends always to be rather euphemistic. You yeah, know, in his. Um sort of response essay uh, that was just posted in America magazine. Uh, He goes through what he describes as uh, his desire to wrestle with some of these criticisms that, as he puts it, that I might contribute to the ongoing dialogue on this sensitive question. And I am struck, uh, as uh, one would expect, that uh, the Cardinal is very polite, uh, Bishop Paprocki is very polite, uh, but they clearly could not be farther apart uh, in their, not just interpretation of things, but in their entire worldview. And I think that's one of the things that really is quite striking uh, in Bishop apraki 's essay and, and then in this response from Cardinal McElroy here, where both of them are trying to establish uh, some claim to uh, the Eucharist, uh... one is what uh... cardinal michael Roy goes back to this idea of uh... That the eucharist is given to us as a profound grace in our conversion to discipleship and then he quotes as they often are want to do pope francis that the, the eucharist is not a prize for the perfect but a powerful medicine and nourishment for the weak, and then he argues that barring disciples from that grace blocks one of the principal pathways to christ to reform their lives and accept the gospel ever more fully Bishop Paprocki, I think, standing clearly in uh, Scripture and tradition, uh, is uh, arguing, again, very forcefully. Uh, and he cites canon law in this. He cites uh, Scripture in this that McElroy's statements on the Eucharist are, quote, contrary to a truth which is to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, you know, it, there's a debate in... The, uh, reformed circles in the united states going back uh, two centuries it was all over the idea of whether the lord's supper was a converting ordinance or not mm-hmm. uh you know the question was well, who who uh, should have access to the lord's table and there were those in these circles which were arguing that well you have to have, be authentically converted. You had to be one of the elect. You had to bring forth the fruits of repentance in order to have access to the Lord's table. And then there were those who were saying, no, 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 we need to be inclusive here, and anybody who wants to should come because the Lord's Supper is a converting ordinance. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's language outside the Catholic tradition. All right. But it, but increasingly less so. <laughs> right. And that's and that's what I'm saying. It's This is... When somebody makes a proposal of radical inclusion, it just seems fair to ask them, okay, exactly, write it down. Tell me what that's going to look like. Don't just tell me that we want to provide medicine uh, for the sick. Uh, Don't just tell me we want to give inspiration to the downtrodden here. We need to know who, how, how is the church going to admit people to receive the eucharist what are the what's the criteria if you can't right. give me criteria then just throw the whole thing open you know and make it a matter of everybody's conscience
6: yeah i mean it, it begs a series of questions the first is um what is your belief in the eucharist yep because we i think we need to define that first very clearly what do you believe the eucharist is mm-hmm. who is in the Eucharist. Yes. The yes. other uh, is how is this making us any different than, say, the the Church of England or the Episcopalian Church sure. or, or a number of other churches that have gone down this exact path. But then the other is how is what you're proposing any different from what is now being proposed by the German Synodal Council, which Pope Francis has publicly denounced yeah. and has yeah. asked not to take that trip not to go down this synodal path so how is this different and I, those are questions i think that really need to be answered as we're moving along here
2: well i was happy to see bishop paprocki address this very directly and uh... I, I, this is good in my mind this is good i'm glad that they're very polite i think that's good too uh... but uh... this these kind of things should be out on the table uh, d- d- Euphemisms can, uh, there are times when they're appropriate, and other times they just obscure
6: what the real issues are. Uh, well, that's right. And, and I think um, in church history, we have certainly seen uh, occasions where it ha- was absolutely essential for the bishops to speak out, as Bishop Apraki is now.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, I think, for example, of uh, the fourth century with the Arian heresy. Yes. We did not see uh, St. Athanasius uh, refusing to speak because he didn't want to sound mean or that uh, we have to, as bishops, have unity. No, he he spoke forcefully and endured exile six times uh, in his time as a bishop of Alexandria precisely for speaking the truth. And it wasn't his perceived truth. We know it was the truth. And... It is heartening, I think, to see a number of bishops now standing up uh, to speak out against what they see is, I think, something that's very, very confusing to the faithful. But it's also, again, setting these markers for what is potentially coming down the road with the Synod in October in Rome and then the 24th Synod also in Rome.
2: So we've got Bishop George Beitzing in Germany there um, telling us that... uh He, in fact, is taking the Vatican's concerns about the German synodal way seriously. Uh, It's not clear what he means by that, though.
6: Well, that's right. Yeah, uh, he is saying that uh, essentially they take it seriously, uh, concerns, and and one has to put air quotes around the word, but they are certainly not in any way hesitating from pushing ahead uh, very aggressively with their plans to complete the work of this, uh, the German synodal path, and the creation of a German synodal council, which has been now one of the major sticking points uh, that would essentially be a, a committee, a kind of Politburo uh, that would run the German church, that has no standing certainly in church teaching, in canon law, yeah. uh, in th- the, the traditions of the church, and, and is a direct violation, I think, of the rightful authority of individual bishops. Uh,
2: yeah, They right. can
6: say all they want, that the diocese will not be impacted, it's up to the individual bishops, but we all know that the pressure that we're already seeing brought to bear against the German bishops is so intense, uh, and I think this is going to be what they see as a permanent structure uh, on the National Diocesan and Parish level uh, to sort of impose their view on this. And one of the key teachings here is that the, on the Eucharist of much of the same language that we're seeing here in the United States, on the things like the ordination of women, uh, and a complete reimagining of the, the priesthood, and the utter demolition, I think, of proper authority in the life of the Church.
0: Yeah.
2: Many people don't understand the difference between the authority of the local bishop and the authority of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Could you give us like a 60-second distinction
6: here? Right. Well, so the individual, this is an ordinary, who wields ordinary jurisdiction over uh, a portion of the church's flock and that is a bishop uh, who is appointed as a shepherd he is the focus of unity uh, in the life of a diocese an Episcopal conference is simply a gathering of bishops together that has an advisory capacity but we can get more into this but very little authority to wield over bishops themselves yeah.
2: bishops themselves are part of the divine constitution of the church bishops conferences are not
6: So that's right
2: <laughs> we'll come back Matthew hold it there we'll continue the conversation Dr. Matthew Bunsen my guest Catholic topics from around the world are topic.
0: When I heard other business owners say they finally found someone in the credit card industry they can trust, I wondered how he could help me. So when Mark from Schistler CPC offered to show me where all the money goes for credit card processing with a free analysis of my business, I jumped on it. He reviewed how the industry works, where we could save, and offered a no-contract guarantee on savings and excellent customer service. I'm saving thousands of dollars a year. Schistler CPC. Trust in
1: them. More information available on the Ave Maria website under Sponsor Business Directory.
6: Support for this Ave Maria program comes in part by the not-for-profit St. Anthony Services. Shopping for insurance, mortgage products, Catholic health coverage, identity protection, or financial planning? StAnthonyServices.org can help you find a Catholic professional for all those and more. They regularly connect faithful citizens with faith-based professionals that share our Christian values. StAnthonyServices.org or 877-LIFE-US-1.
7: This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com.
4: This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the beginning of Lent and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio.
7: And now, a Meditation Minute from Father Gabriel Richard High School. I'm Dominic, a senior, with a reflection on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. How many of us want to be rich? How many of us want to be able to live without worry of the future or how we will support ourselves? Can we really say that these are bad things to desire? Jesus warns us against covetousness, which is really idolatry, with the parable of the rich fool. We live in a time when the idealized approach to life is to ensure prosperity, to free ourselves for other things. Financial responsibility is important, St. Paul says so to the Romans, but we cannot let money become an end in itself. This is what Jesus warns us against. Life is unpredictable, and nothing we can do can prepare us for every possibility. If that becomes our goal, what happens to faith? No matter what we do, we must be rich in what matters to God. This Meditation Minute is brought to you by the students, faculty, and staff of Father Gabriel Richard High School. Hello, I'm Adora Kassab-Ibrahim, broker and owner of Lighthouse Real Estate Group. I would love to guide you with your real estate needs, both residential and commercial. As a family-owned business, I always have your family's best interests at heart. Allow my 25 years of experience to serve you. Please call me today at 248 248- 210-8229 and visit our website lighthouse-reg.com That's lighthouse-reg.com
0: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresto. With me, Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Uh, Executive Editor and Washington Bureau Chief for EW10 News talking about a distinction that I think is lost on uh, many Catholics who don't spend a lot of time you know, wondering about the internal operations of the institutional church but um, we have the Bishop of a Diocese uh, and then you've got this U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and there are lots of people who think well okay a bishop is one, and when bishops get together, there are many, and if the many decide on something, that thereby obligates, by divine right, that bishop, in his own diocese, that's completely wrong-headed.
6: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and so... And, uh... Let's go back to the, the, the German synod uh, in when it completed some of its first work. It had four pillars, it's worth remembering. It, it wanted to look at authority in the life of the church, uh, the role of women, uh, the issues of sexuality, and the priesthood. The first one they started with was on authority, and the first document that they published uh, essentially saw a, a path, as far as they were concerned, to the democratization of the church. And in there it included a thing that... Uh, The group would vote and the expectation would then be immediate that the the group that lost and they had already stacked the deck so we already knew how this is going to go was expected to respect and accept the results of that vote that really set the tone I think for everything that has followed this German synodal path as well as this synodal council this permanent synodal council that they're going to just push ahead and create uh, to use what is essentially authoritarian, even totalitarian mechanisms uh, to bully and force uh, German Catholics and I dare say German bishops that, to accept right. whatever the findings are, yeah, yeah, and we know what those are, yeah because we 've been reading the documents since,
2: yeah, so this is it 's important for us to remember that a bishop is part of the divine constitution of the church. He is the ordinary of the diocese. Sometimes it said, you know, the bishop is basically the Pope in his own diocese. Which a little it it has the advantage of being clear, but at the same time it's a little overstates it a bit. But a local bishop is the authority no bishop from outside that diocese can come in and force that bishop to do anything. No dozen bishops from outside the diocese can
6: come in. Enforce that bishop to do anything, right? Well, that's right. Now, uh, the Holy Father, of course, can. Yes, uh, we have seen a number yeah. of visitations uh, in Puerto Rico and elsewhere, uh, but those are considered even today to be fairly extraordinary events. Yeah. yeah. The one of the great debates that has taken place among canonists uh, has been over the role and function of episcopal conferences and what sort of authority they actually have, and. Uh, as we have seen with the sex abuse crisis the, the Dallas norms, the uh, essential charter, and all of the Dallas Charter and essential norms and, and all of that, a bishop who is determined um, to ruin to rule his diocese as he sees fit uh, can do so and so there there were even one or two bishops who never really accepted the the Dallas Charter and the essential norms. Yeah.
2: even uh, on a topic even on a topic like this, which is so controversial, you would think you'd have complete agreement Uh, yet bishop as i remembered anyways uh, bishop fabian broskowitz of lincoln said no that's right i've got a i have a i prefer my way of
6: handling it that's right now there are a number of documents that have explored this there there were assumptions or there were thoughts for a while that pope francis would expand uh, perhaps even providing some sort of uh, wider authority to Episcopal conferences, but that really hasn't happened. Uh, I think he he has moved really much toward the synodal, uh, the this process of the synod of bishops in order to try to to push ahead with his vision of synodality. Uh, partly because I think they recognize very quickly that in places like the United States, there simply are too many bishops who are not particularly happy uh, with some of the things that are being said by the Germans, for example. Uh, And as the USCCB has uh, demonstrated over the last years, there is some pretty rancorous disagreement among the bishops, especially on things like the Eucharist, uh, and this idea of Eucharistic coherence, uh, what they euphemistically refer to as the sort of weaponization of the Eucharist, but we're seeing this now play out very publicly uh, in this back and forth between Bishop Paprocki, and I think there are going to be others, and Cardinal McElroy. And on McElroy's side, too, we're already seeing that uh, there are those who are, are coming to his defense, or at least trying to argue that this is in keeping with what Pope Francis has said. Now, if we look at Pope Francis's statements to the Germans, it's very clear uh, that Pope Francis is not on board with what is happening in Germany. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, Uh, let's uh, jump to uh, another topic uh, here. Uh, The Albany Diocese is limiting Latin Masses following new guidance from the Vatican. Uh, This story is a few days old. But uh, talk to us about what this is about. I mean, I think people are confused. Uh, You have a Mass that was celebrated as the standard uh, until roughly 1968 and there's the Roman Missal of 1962 which was apparently um, you know superseded in some way uh, many people wanted the freedom to celebrate the traditional Latin mass or the Roman Missal of 1962 And uh, under uh, Pope Pope Benedict XVI uh, made an effort to make sure that there was generous availability of that Mass. Pope Francis has acted, it appears, to limit access to this traditional Mass. And in Albany, we've now got uh, at least a temporary ban on the traditional Latin Mass at two parishes. So... What are they actually complying with by shutting or banning the use of this 1962
6: missile? Yes, well, so what uh, we have seen is the next step uh, in what the, the groundwork that was laid uh, by Pope Francis in 2021 uh, with Tradiciones Custodes, which put a clamp uh, on the celebration of the so-called traditional Latin Mass. Essentially, uh, celebration of Mass in accordance with the, uh, the the Roman Missal, or Missale Romanum, of 1962. We had a subsequent document p- from Pope Francis essentially elaborating or articulating the reasoning behind uh, traditionis custodis. And mm-hmm. as, as you and I agreed at the time, I think had he come out with this document first, and then gone with uh, sort of lowering the hammer with uh, the motu proprio, yeah. uh, I think the, the rollout and the reception might have been very different. Mm-hmm. Because Pope Francis, in in that document, and also, in fairness, and Traditiones custodis also talked about the severe uh, aberrations of the liturgy of even the Novus Ordo. Yes. What we have seen is that a number of bishops, uh, not just in the United States, but around the world, uh, found what I would argue are very creative and pastoral ways uh, to keep the Latin Mass going in their diocese, despite the obvious restrictions that have been placed in the use of uh, parishes and, and parish churches. Uh, but then there was also the question of newly ordained priests or recently ordained priests being taught how to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass, mm-hmm. because as, the, the, as anyone knows, the, the Usus Antiquor, or the traditional Latin Mass, Requires a lot of steps, uh, and and it's what everyone thinks of the liturgy. It's it's it is something that you really have to learn and master, as you would any other of yes. beautiful rites of the church. That's right. So, in reply to a number of questions, and uh, it's it's an open question, I will say as to how many questions there were. Uh, a new document, a rescriptum, which is essentially a kind of reply or clarification. Uh, was sent out uh, under Cardinal Roach, who is the head of the dicastery. The Cardinal Arthur Roach is a prefect for the dicastery for Divine Worship and the Discipline of Sacraments, essentially issuing a clarification. That's what this rescriptum is, and it had okay. two key parts. The first is that all dispensations must be approved by the Vatican for the celebration and essentially ordered any bishop who had already issued the dispensations to inform his office, which will then have the authority to evaluate individual cases as to whether or not the Latin Mass can be celebrated. The other, and this is the one that uh, I was a little surprised at, uh, was a reiteration of the fact that priests who or, ordained after a certain date, the, the issue of *Traditionis Custodes in, in 2021, um, you have to have very clear permission for that to take place. So on the one hand, we're seeing a further clamping down of the traditional Latin Mass, but on the other, it's a reminder uh, about how restrictive they want to be on the education, on the formation of priests who can actually celebrate the Mass. I would argue that in some ways, you can have a a bishop who approaches this very creatively and finds ways to have this Mass celebrated uh, for his traditional Latin mass-attending flock. But the reality is that if you are not teaching any priests how to celebrate this, you are on a path inevitably toward the extinction of the celebration of the mass. Of course, yes. That's right.
2: Um, what was Pope Francis's, uh rationale for limiting uh, use of the 1962 Missal?
6: So the argument was, uh, and this is supposedly based on a survey that was done um, of bishops around the world, as to how a Summorum Pontificum uh, was received and how many problems did or did not occur or were occurring uh, within their flock. Uh, For those who celebrate traditional Latin Mass, are they, for example, Creating divisions within right. parishes. Are they also uh, obdurately denying the validity of the Second Vatican Council? So the the aim of Pope Francis uh, was to find a way to limit uh, the the celebration of the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, but again at the same time to refocus i think that was his stated goal uh, attention on the novus ordo as the the mass that was given to us mm-hmm. the argument is by the second vatican council that was um, promulgated by pope paul vi and as francis again noted uh, that at times is not celebrated particularly well right and so he in that letter that accompanied eventually traditionis custodes he talks about the, the beauty of the Mass, the celebration, but he uses that great phrase, the Ars Celebrandi, the art of celebration, that we, that we have to do this right and properly. And he was seeing, I think, a from his standpoint, a breakdown of unity on some parishes, the creation of sort of quasi-Second Church, uh, the denial of the Second Vatican Council, and then uh, the, the celebration of the Novus Order being done very poorly. It's a huge argument and debate uh as to whether the average person who goes to the traditional Latin mass thinks enough about the Second Vatican Council actually to deny it yeah yeah yeah
2: i this is you know from my from my point of view, I've never understood entirely why uh in certain dioceses anyways you it was you could not find uh a mass. According to the missile of 1962, um, it just—it's always struck me as a strange kind of leadership. Um, it's almost a lack of confidence
6: uh, in the 68 mass that they have right. to restrict the 62 mass. Well, you said it beautifully, Al, once in one of our conversations. That is this not uh, providing a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist? Yeah, yeah.
2: Matthew, thanks so much. Uh, Great talking with you again. Wish we a had more time. As
6: always, God bless. <laughs> Talk to you
2: soon. Bye bye. Dr. Matthew Bunsen will have uh, lots of stories that we didn't get to.
0: You are invited as Bishop Earl Boyer presides over the 25th annual Rose Mass for Healthcare Workers, Saturday, March 18th at 4.30 at Christ the King in Ann Arbor. Afterwards, there will be a dinner and discussion on the relationship between Catholic medicine, the media, and the impact on patients. Featuring Ave Maria Radio's Al Cresta and Father Peter Ryan. This takes place at Fox Hills Country Club near Plymouth. Go to cmalansing at gmail.com to purchase tickets. That's cmalansing at gmail.com.
5: Fire on the earth, Peter Herbeck. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And one of the things that he meant by that was the Christian people understand the larger story that's unfolding in history. So as St. Paul said, as the saints echoed very clearly, We're now living through just a a short moment, a slight momentary affliction, he calls it, in this life, which is going to make way and lead us to an eternal glory beyond all compare. The secret to the fruitfulness and the strength of the apostles was that they lived with a clear vision of the future, an eternal perspective, fixed on the destiny of where their life was headed, and they lived with the realization that, wow, yeah, life is very short here. Everything is temporary. Nothing here in this world is ultimately going to last except the ultimate destinies, the eternal destinies of every human being that exists on the earth. And they knew that whether good things were coming their way or bad things from the world's perspective were coming away, nothing could steal from them, nothing could take away The gold that was in their heart. The treasure that they bore. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter Herbeck spreads fire on the earth. Weekday mornings
0: at 6.30 and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio.
2: Thank you so much for being with me. And let me invite you next Tuesday night... If you're in northern Ohio, southeast Michigan, there's going to be an outstanding talk given by Noel Mehring. Uh, Noel is the author of Awake, not woke. It's a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. She'll be speaking at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, again sponsored by Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio. We'll be there 7:30 to 9:30 next Tuesday night. I hope you show up. It's again no charge at all. This is an important topic. Uh, We love Noel. She's been on this program. Uh, She's been on Peter Herbeck's program, on Fire on the Earth. And I can tell you, if you show up, you will learn. And uh, you'll also be reassured of the soundness of the Catholic position. So, that's next Tuesday night, March 7th, 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Father Gable Richard High School, no
1: charge. Register at RenewalMinistries.net. Slash Noel. Presta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Presta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A Radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.